podcasts where every episode I am joined by different guests to talk through a single issue of the comic Alpha Flight. This time I am rejoined by previous guest Tim. Tim, can you introduce yourself to somebody who may not have listened to your previous episode? Certainly. Thanks for having me back, Gareth. Uh, I guess you didn't learn your lesson after the last time. <laughs> um, I'm Tim Price. I'm just another fun fan out there of Alpha Flight. Been listening, been reading for uh, back in the early days. Um, and I, I listen to lots of the comic book podcasts on the internet. You might have seen my name on other message boards and comments about the podcasts that are out there. Um, I'm doing my part to fill up those servers. Those servers <laughs> got to get filled up somehow. So that's what I do. Well, thank you for your contribution to the servers. <laughs> We're here to talk about Alpha Flight 15, which came out in uh, it's postmarked October 1984. Um, the it's called Blind Date. Um, John Byrne was the writer and penciler, and for the first time, he is being inked by someone else, uh, which is Bob Wycheck. And the Yankers, as always, is the colorer. Rick Park is letterer. Denny O'Neill was the editor, and Jim Shooter was the editor-in-chief. Um, right, could you give a summary of what happens in the comic? I'd be glad to. I, I will say right off the bat that, boy, that title of Blind Date is not troubling at all for what happens in this issue. <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. Oh, we'll... Quick little note about the covers that we have a wonderful uh, John Byrne cover here featuring Submariner versus Marina. No matter who wins, the good guys lose. And it's a quite a vicious looking fight in the background. In the foreground, there's Puck lying on the uh, the ground. Yeah, which uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, very much torn up. The last time that Marina and Puck appeared on a cover together, that issue didn't go very well for Puck. So let's hope things go better this time. Yeah, bless him. Bless indeed. <laughs> so we open in a scene in the Northwest Territories because you have to make sure you know where we are in Canada at all times. Um, with one of our uh, supporting cast members, Douglas Thompson, re- Sergeant RCMP, one of our Mounties, not dressed as a Mountie. That's that's probably not a bad thing. Since you and I talked about Major Maple Leaf before, that's probably fine. We'll move yeah. right along from there. Yeah. Um, he's in his home and interrupted by um, Am. by uh, Ann. Thank you, Anne McKenzie. Um, and we discover in the following page that, yes, she does reveal to Doug that she is indeed Snowbird, that this is her secret identity. Um, he takes a moment to compose himself and confesses that he's been in love with her all along. And after that quick little scene, we move straight back to, where is this? Toronto. Very nice. We have a nice uh, picture of one of the spires of Toronto, and there's... Puck and Marina and the uh, synopsizing of what's going on in the story begins. Thank goodness. I was worried we wouldn't know what was going on here. Um, lots of grisly killings happening uh, near the waterfront. And, you know, apparently the people in this in Toronto never watched Jaws because they just did not close the waterfront. No, no. Um, <laughs> apparently they didn't learn their lesson there. Um and so we have exposition, 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 talking about Marina going off to find out what's go- what's causing this, and Puck being worried, even though he called her to come and do this, yeah. he still is, you know, basically like, "You be careful, you be careful." Uh, you think maybe he'd been a dad or something before? <laughs> um, wait, another flashback to the issue we covered before. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> we move on to Marina uh, diving into the water to search out what's going. What, uh, what's been causing all the deaths around here, what's been killing all the people, including um, a, a security guard. And it's a, 
lot of a uh, lot of diet, lot of um, panels, lots of descriptions of what's going on as she goes through the water. But some beautiful images as she yeah. goes through the water, though. Good I do opinion. love that. Yeah, yeah, and but and also the panels. It, you know, you could you could argue about ex- excessiveness of the dial of the panels here, but. It's also a really good way of displaying how long this journey is. It takes yeah. a long time to get down there, and with if it had been all just visual, it would have seemed much too fast. So I, I did appreciate that. Yeah. Um, as we move along, we finally get into a cave underground where there actually is air, and Marina surfaces, looking around, and there's uh, what they call a phosphorus well, uh, bioluminescence. There, there it is. Yeah. Bioluminescent algae, giving it a very greenish look in there, and she, so we actually can see something besides pitch black. And Marina is surprised with an "oh" yep. at the end of the pan, of page nine. Now we change scenes <laughs> to yeah, Aurora. And not, and not quite meanwhile, the famous "not quite meanwhile." Yes, not, not quite meanwhile. So yeah. Uh, yeah, this is not happening at the same time. Thank goodness that was clarified. <laughs> uh, of Marina in her in her bedroom. And what appeared in just a towel, having uh, still recovering from an event from the previous issue, uh, she we we get the idea that yes, she saw the image of her other personality in the mirror, and she is determined to do something to assert dominance. And we see her in the last panel holding a pair of scissors and her hair. I wonder what that's foreshadowing. But then we move back to Toronto, which obviously means we're. But this time it's not. It doesn't say not quite. Meanwhile, it says and in Toronto. So okay, all right. Yeah. Is, is it meanwhile now? I don't. I don't really think so. Uh, um, I don't. Is it worth worrying too much about? The t- I suppose the not quite. Me- not quite. Meanwhile might mean that time is passing rather than. Again, it's mm-hmm. not worth worrying about. But so I mean, Puck oh, is yeah. standing there, and two hours has passed since Marina went under the water. Yes. And so Marina is surfacing. Puck is calling to her and instantly regrets calling to her because she looks fierce and angry and her costume has tatters and hanging off of her one shoulder where it had been two shoulders before. The sleeves are mostly gone. And this is very much reminiscent of the uh, feral scene we had back in issue two where she out of nowhere, attacked Puck and almost killed him. That's right, yeah. And that's exactly what Puck is thinking about. And I, who could blame him in this situation? <laughs> and now the now the fighty fight scene begins in earnest. She lunges at Puck. Puck rolls all the fight, way. Yeah. Oh yes, there's lots of fighty fight with lots of of um, thought balloons and puck wondering to himself what's going on and how he can stop marina without killing her yeah. uh, which i think you covered very nicely in a, in a previous uh episode about the kind of dialogue in thought balloons not necessarily being exactly what the person is thinking verbatim but just translating their instinctive thoughts into something that the readers could understand yeah, that's right, yeah. I thought that was that was very there I, I really did like that in that episode, I forget which one that was, but it was really it was good. The one directly previous to this, me and Fraser, and we're actually talking about the issue before this one. We're talking mm-hmm. about issue fourteen, so everything's lining up nicely. Right. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And but I think you covered issues sixteen in an even earlier episode. That's so right, hey, yes. hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> bring we... it to the, bring it to the closure here. <laughs> 
Excellent. Um, all right, so the fighty fight is continuing, um, and Puck gets upon the brainstorm about treating Marina like a raging bull that he actually had experience in bullfighting in his mysterious past. Yes, in his mysterious uh, past, we find out that he was best friends with what he who he calls Papa Hemingway, so I assume is Ernest Hemingway. Yes, and that he was the yes. top of bullfighting school. Yes, so that was it's. A very interesting tidbit <laughs> on, in his past. Um, I don't really think that bullfighting skills translate well to fighting a a raging mostly a, a yeah a, a aquatic teenage girl. No. But hey, that's uh, if it if it works if it keeps if it, it keeps him alive. That's for sure. As he's going through this, he's managing to parry her and duck out of the way yeah. and stay one step ahead of her. Um, now we get another meanwhile back out to the ocean with the erupting from the water is the raging submariner shouting marina and he comes flying through the sky after hunting her down um and he sees puck marina on the shore fighting and he immediately assumes of course that you know the short small man is the one at fault yes so that's that's who he attacks you know not the uh Furious, angry-looking uh, woman. No, no, no. Got <laughs> so he comes down and lays out the ordinary human puck with one punch. Which uh, kudos to Namor for doing that. He did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Marina is in the background behind him as he and and Namor finally turns to see what her face looks like, and it's all in shadow. You just see the two eyes glowing in the yeah. shadow of Marina's faces. Very chilling little scene right there. Um, and now we get a meanwhile. Yeah. Thank goodness. I was worried that the fight scene was going to continue to be this getting, exciting. getting too intense, isn't it? There's too much action. Yeah, yeah def- definitely. I, I, I did need a little break. Uh, might have had to call the hospital in a second. Hey, speaking of hospitals... <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Isn't that yeah, good? good yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I'm, and this is only my second time out at the gate. Yay! <laughs> so <laughs> we come on a scene in um, Calgary, Alberta with another member of our cast. We have um, an, another teenage woman. Um, find out soon that her name is uh, – ooh. Why Elizabeth. am I on her name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Yeah. I am t- – I am t- completely failing on my alpha flight names today i am sorry obviously i did not study enough and cram enough (laughs) in the in the four hours notice you gave me before we started this this episode that was was plenty of time though i'll be honest in my world that was plenty of time (laughs) um so we have Elizabeth being dropped off at a small a small hospital for the sarsi reserve she goes storming in on Dr. Two Youngman and into, with a hello, father. And we see that, yes, indeed, this is the Elizabeth and, and daughter of Shaman that we were introduced back in his origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a, a, a happy, a cheerful reunion in any way, as she puts it. She's here on business and she needs Shaman. So another Another plot thread introduced. Okay, so that's one, two, three subplots. Okay, all right. I'm just I want to make sure I kept track, kept them straight. Three three subplots in this one issue already. Now, once again, Toronto, 
And we finish off with a man in shadows wearing the traditional disguise of a trench coat and hat. Very important. I wonder if it's – is it Benjamin J. Grimm under there? No. Is it Raphael? It's, no, it's not Raphael. Who, I wonder else who, who it could be. Well, we okay, now we see a beard and mustache. Okay, yeah, that narrows it down. Not at all. Great. <laughs> but we do see Namor and Marina continuing their battle with Puck just stirring on the ground. As he starts to come to, our mysterious uh, gentleman knocks him unconscious again. Yeah. Uh, Puck just cannot he, – he was doing so well against Marina, but boy, he just is getting yeah. taken out in this issue. Following with uh, Namor trying yet again to get Marina under control, and she blinds him with one swipe of her hand, which is uh, very effective. And I don't think we'd seen before this issue. I don't think that was been revealed no. at all before. Uh, the, 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 the mysterious hatted trench coat gentleman actually says, "Like this is a new thing. You've not seen this before." But she thinks mm-hmm. secrete a, a toxin which will make you blind. Which is interesting that he knows that that she can do this, yep. and somehow is oh, but you don't know about it. Oh, right, of course. So that's why you don't know. I know about it, but you don't because I'm so much smarter than you. Um, how does he know what we do and don't know? I hey hey, comics. That's how that goes. <laughs> well, and he, the, and he proceeds to put page. Namor to sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. He, well, he puts Namor to sleep just two finger presses. Uh, so he must be um, uh, 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 Mr. Spock from the Mirror Universe. That must be who he is. That would explain everything. But Namor collapses, and the rain is falling. Marina is howling. And on the final page, we see that, oh, it's not just a trench coat and a hat. It's the master of the world. Yeah. He's back. There he is, King Duke. And then a Marina story. What? <laughs> <laughs> Well, who was it who called him the Crystal Pepsi Vandal Savage? <laughs> was, it wasn't me, but that's good. <laughs> that, was that was that was that Sean? It wasn't of, this uh, podcast, of I think. the Secret Wars and Beyond. Yeah, it might have mm. been. Yeah. It might have been. It might have been. Uh, Sean or Greg? I think one of them might have said it. Uh, that was just that was which uh, which is beautiful. Which yeah. is a beautiful thing. But we do have the. The master of the world standing in a storm, lightning flashing, rain is falling, proclaiming his soon victory. And next issue, Marina, Pux, the Mariner, the Malevolent Master, and the shocking secret of Marina's mate. And that is the end of the issue. (laughs) Sorry, Tim. Much like every other podcast, I've just been asked, it may have been picked up by the microphone, but I've just been asked when we're having dinner. I'm doing this at the moment. Ah. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, see ya. All right, she's all gone. Bill, uh, I, Bill's been I, here the I, whole time, but he's he's just sorting out cards. He's all right. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Um, no, I understand dinner is a very, very important thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So sorry about that. She'll um, she'll be back. That is all right. Um, <laughs> I I would hope so. It wouldn't be an alpha flight. Alpha pod flight without one of my children disturbing me in some way. Um, okay, so uh, the master of the world. Is back. 
And That's why I listen. <laughs> There's got to be a reason. Um, exactly. So, <laughs> the Master of the World is back. Um, and also, well, I mean, interestingly or not interestingly, because I started with Alpha Flight Volume 2, like the, the, the collected edition, this was my first exposure to the Master of the World. I had no idea mm-hmm. who this chap was. Um, so, yeah, when he was... Um, uh, climbing over rocks in his in his trench coat and a hat, I thought he might have been Odin or somebody or somebody like that. Mm. But no, here he is, um, Mister Master of the World. Yes, they they were definitely keeping it close to the vest about that being him, except of course for the fact that it's a Marina story again. So he's got to be in it, yeah. Yes. Oh, uh, well, right. So, um, okay, so that was a good summary. Uh, succinct. I liked it. Um, who? What did you like about this issue? Oh, uh, well, you know, this is, for me, this is, um, John Byrne was at his peak art-wise right here. Okay. I mean, I've been, I've been following him for a few years at this point, um, and I was really all into the artwork. I thought Bob Wyacek did a great job on the inking of this as well. Um, he comes through is very clean. Um, we've talked. I've talked. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about him on the uh, Power Pack podcast, unpacking the power of Power Pack, because he's the regular inker on that book as well. Okay. And not coincidentally, Marina's two-part appearance in Power Pack was also inked by Bob Wyacek. Okay. So. I think he has a he, he does a really nice job on her. She looks really really attractive, and you know I I always kind of have a tough time to remember exactly what age they they wanted the picture She's as. Supposed to be about but nineteen. Late teenager. Yeah, late teen. Okay. Yeah. 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 So she comes off as still young, um, and you know very much different kind of physique. You know, she doesn't look like. Snowbird or Aurora, she has her very much her own look, you know, not not just a cookie cutter with a different face. That's right, yeah. Um, uh, which is, I, I mean, I really um, that. Burns on record is saying that he he thinks it's really important that if it's a teenage girl, she should look like a teenage mm-hmm. girl, and not like a twenty five year old model. It's always been exactly thing. Uh, so certainly with Kitty Pride, that was um, one of his big bugbears that she she went from a fourteen year old mm-hmm. gangly girl to to a supermodel as soon as he left the book. So. Uh, yeah. Oh yes, very true. Um, yeah. Um, uh, uh, on yeah, the so thing, because this is Bob White's mm-hmm. first one, and I said on the mm-hmm. previous episode where we talked about fourteen, I really liked how loose Bernard got with his inks um, and how quick he got and expressive. And so, for me personally, just my personal taste, this is actually a step back because um, Bob White. Maybe it's because it's his first one. But he seems to be mm. very, very careful and very conservative in how he's inking this. It loosens up a bit in mm-hmm. the underwater sections, and there's uh, certain there's yes. like a big rock outcropping thing. It's kind of like almost right esque um, in the, the oh, use yes. of lines and shadows and stuff. It's it's good, but yeah, I think. He is playing it safe at the moment and being careful. Um, I think he loosens up a bit as, he, as we go on. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But then that, that particular scene in the underwater, that particular uh, panel in the underwater, is just gorgeous. Yeah. In the, the how, how much it feels like a thing alive. You know, it gives you that sense of like it's not a coral reef, but it gives you the sense of like there's things growing on it and they're floating in the water. That's right, You've got yeah. the bubbles, things rising, and the 
the bubble trail behind Marina, uh, you know, that's that's we know that's a convention just to show her movement through the water. Because by this point, why why would she still have any air bubbles yeah. coming off of her body by this point? Yeah. But it's still it's a very effective look. I wanted to ask you about the following page on that, where yeah. we have the scene where Marina almost gets stuck. And we have this very claustrophobic look where there's very little light, very almost nothing in the panel. We do have the difference between like the rocks and then where the where we're depicting the, the water in the background um, of a darker blue there, dark blue as opposed to the black of the rocking. Um, I wanted to know what you th- felt if this was some of John Byrne's experimentation with. Um, you know, a lack of background. You know what that we saw from issue six with the whole white issue. Yeah, and I th- issue eighteen, the first one for the first one for Gilded Lily was that eighteen or nineteen? That uh, oh, I could tell you worth looking forward, but yeah, I know what you mean about having the mm-hmm. um, and yeah, obviously I think there's three panels across the top where there is an increasing amount of black space certainly between the first and the third panel there um mm-hmm. which is to show it getting more claustrophobic because she gets caught in between two rocks doesn't she um, yes and then as you move down the page uh, a middle banded one with her swimming from right to left and then the mm-hmm. bottom, the, the last panel on that page is a lot more open it's an interesting swimming angle as well i'm not sure where he got yes. have got reference for that it's, it's a really good angle interesting it reminds mm-hmm. me of uh when we had rob plass on asia talking about north star and there's a panel mm-hmm. where north star's flying over uh wherever he was i can't remember but it's a similar thing like it's an interesting right angle to just to get mm-hmm. uh, but the panel is split essentially for the on the left is black and on the white is on the right is white sort of to show yes. that she is coming out of that claustrophobia um mm-hmm. yeah it's just... yes and and there's even just like a the little smudge of yellow at the top of that panel of that's the hint of the cave that she's coming that's to right, yeah. even though even though it's not actually cave even though it's actually yellow in the cave but it does give that sense that, that light, image yeah. of surfacing you might be coming to the surface it's also um, yes. um reminiscent of like a hand like the top of a hand reaching down mm. it's kind of yes, a, true uh what's the word i'm looking for ominous is along the lines of the word I'm mm-hmm. for. but yeah so uh it's yes. she's in danger because that fits this the tone of this whole scene as well like there's a we've had the freedom of, of swimming through the water but then you get this claustrophobia at the top almost a fear of being trapped and it, like it might be implying that the cavern is actually trying to close in on her but i i don't know if that really bears out the story because that's not what um, the creature that we know is actually down here does. Yeah. But it, it's just just an interesting interesting idea, or more like feels like it. The feeling of being trapped in, in turn feels like you're being like it's a, an aggressive force, That's even right. though it's not. And if you wanted to drag out a metaphor from it, it's also um, her. She can't escape the darkness of her. That, that's part of her future. Um, mm-hmm. um, so it's her going from the sort of the open light side 
of her personality mm-hmm. and her human side into the darkness of her alien side. There's also that transition. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and in fact, the bottom panel really gets would, could get that across. You could take that from there, especially with her leaving the light behind and swimming into the dark. Yeah. That's how, that's how all of her swimming is going. She's her leaves. She leaves a trail of white behind her as things get darker and darker. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's good. And then, well, then she emerges, and it's got this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned on the episode with Emmett, where uh, is the follow that we were covering the issue that follows on from this, and you've got that. Mm-hmm. Um, when Marina is good, she's young and lithe and beautiful, and her poses are very feminine and uh what's the word i'm looking for yeah we get and but when she goes bad she delicate goes, delicate yeah that's that's a way it's not yeah. the one i'm looking for but i'm not gonna be able to find the word i want so but yeah when she goes <laughs> when she goes bad she goes very shriveled she looks a lot older and she's ugly as well um and there's this idea of old uh age and ugliness being equivalent to badness mm-hmm. Um, which, right. Uh, it's it's sort of a, it's not uncommon, and Burns certainly not the only person that's doing it. But uh, I mean, you only have to look to Shrek to <laughs> to follow it through. Oh yes. <laughs> so. Oh yes. <laughs> um, it's, it's all it's all over the place. We yeah. do know that. Oh yeah. man, what how, what does it say about me that a cultural touch point is Shrek? Um, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so we've always That's... had this with Marina that um, when mm-hmm. she when she's good, she's pretty, and when she's bad, she's ugly. Uh, right. But also that the shapes that her body makes as well, they're a lot more angular um, mm-hmm. and a lot more wild, and we see her face less often during the fight. Um, oh, that's yes, yes indeed. Yeah. But I also I also would wonder. One of the things I was wondering about with Marina is I was just going through it in my head of by this point in her appearances, has she appeared more often as the feral, out-of-control creature than the heroic, um, sweet creature? Because that certainly seems to be a thing. We haven't seen her very often, so she didn't. She um, mm-hmm. she was in the the first few issues of Alpha Flight were dealt with her and the Master of the World, mm-hmm. and then she ran off, and we didn't see her again. Um, even no. when they put out the alert when Mac was in trouble in New York, so issue twelve, she didn't come back for that mm-hmm. because um, her and Namor were finding each other. I'll I'll leave it like that while my son's in the room, and yeah, yeah, well that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then this is I think this is where we're reintroduced to him. Um, so we haven't we've all we've known of Marina as a character, other than she appeared in a team up annual Spider Man uh, team up. Yeah, Marvel team up. Yes, Marvel team up. She appeared in one of those with North Star and Aurora, and that was where was that before or after this? I can't I can't remember if it came out before or after. That was after that was after this. That was after this and before before Power Pack nine and ten. Okay, Um, because that was where we find out that the alien is called the Plodex. We don't find that out until then. 
Ah, right, that's true. Uh, so yeah, she turns up in that. But yeah, every time we see her, we deal with the fact that uh, we are told in the introduction to the sequence that she is uh, a lovely, well-mannered young female teenager, and then not long after right. she changes to a hideous monster. Oh yes. Well, and that's what I was. And that's what I was thinking of. Is that in so her in Alpha Flight number one, her first appearance, she had probably a handful of pages max where she was appearing as her heroic self. In issue two, there was the sparring fight, which pretty which didn't last very long before she got turned into uh, had the master give her that signal and she churned right there, and spends probably the rest of that issue. I would I would argue the rest of that issue she's in that particular state. Yeah. Then in issues three and four, she's basically his captive. Yeah, she's the and in tortured. Yeah. Yeah, and doesn't really get to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, yeah. <laughs> and then the like, handful of appearances here and there. But yeah, so now we've had a little bit of the last issue and the last half of. La- whatever she appeared in last issue was definitely Marina as the the sweet person, yeah. and only the first half of this issue. And now yeah. she's already spending the last half completely in feral mode again. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's, she's she's not had much chance to really be the good character that we that we talk about. Yeah, it doesn't take, not that not that I'm saying that we need to have a whole lot dedicated to her, but. Unfortunately, it just seems it, it is setting up a bad pattern, a bad precedent for Marina, as we yeah. all know. Is that yeah. that she's there to show? She shows up for a little bit, but her whole point is to be turned into something else. Yeah, it's like, oh no, no, yeah. no. <laughs> I, I like much for that. Yeah, I mean, because that's one of the things I like about her characterization. In have you read any of the Pack Van Lente stuff? The the more re- the, oh, I have not read that. Oh, you I've heard you talk about. It. I've heard you yeah. talk about it, but I haven't had a chance to get into it. Uh, we haven't done an episode on it yet, but um, in uh, and Emmett mentioned it actually when we covered her before. Mm-hmm. Um, she is re- she's recast as so she's a teenager again, but she's a teenager mm-hmm. who has been spending a lot of time on anti-human internet message boards. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's that's going to end well. Yeah. So, so these two parts of her personality, sort of the teenage, um, the teenage girl, sort of uh, the bad side and the good side, are brought closer mm-hmm. together, and they exist in one person. Um, and it's a good character, actually. It's, yeah, she's well, well drawn. Nice, nice. Yeah. I will. I'll. I'll definitely have to get that on the list of yeah. things I need to be reading on Marvel <laughs> Unlimited. Uh, my, my list just grows and grows. <laughs> And that, but it's, it grows in a good way. Yes. I'm not complaining. No. It's like you, you and the other podcasters who hook me up to these things. Like, oh, okay, I've got to listen. <laughs> I've got to read that one. It certainly will be better than the other Plodex story that I finished reading, um, Volume 3. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry that I introduced that to you. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh no dear. no no! See that's you have to read some of those things to appreciate when you got the good ones. Uh, I, I, full, I, I fully endorse true. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so uh, back to this issue. Uh, Puck yes. is Puck gets a nice big role in this, um, and it's also nice that although he gets beaten up again, 
he also mm-hmm. gets a chance to shine. So um, he, mm-hmm. we get told it's sort of halfway to settle that he is really good at fighting because he says that thing that unless he controls his instincts, he mm-hmm. will end up just killing Marina. If he, right. so he's got. So that's quite a nice touch. So that with again, his backstory is being filled in in very mm-hmm. vague terms, which makes it more interesting. It makes it fuller than if it had been tied mm-hmm. down to a single thing. Um, and this whole ball fighting angle is the first time we've heard of that. And yeah, I, I really like that. Right. I, I'd totally forgotten as well. I totally blanked on the fact that he was apparently a bullfighter in a previous mm-hmm. incarnation. Um, that, I do yeah. find that for someone his size, I think that is awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I also go from the comic book angle versus the real world. It's not practical, but I don't care. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, we also and found I, out that he, before yeah. he joined Beta Flight, he was also a killer. So whatever he'd been doing, it involved mm-hmm. killing. So, And that's, again, how he's sort of the Alpha Flight's Wolverine. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We've got, we got so many parallels with that. We don't know his full backstory at this point. We don't really know his origin. There's lots of mystery about him. And yeah, the fact that he can that he's used to lethal force. Yeah, it's not a not a um, not a shock to him or anything. He's just that's what he's done. Um, that he also I I like the fact that also from his personality he's just not that berserker either. And in fact, we yeah. kind of have that counterpoint here. He is facing a berserker, mm. and he's holding his own. That's really the only point. reason he's. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only reason he hasn't ended the fight is because he knows I only could. I'm only gonna. The only way I can do it is killing her, mm. and he chooses not to. That's really telling. Yeah. I, I appreciated that a lot, and it's also fun to talk that this is another way for us to start to introduce Puck's backstory a little bit more piece by piece. I mean, obviously, this is one of those characters where it's the fun is not revealing his origin all at once. Yeah. The fun is showing it a little bit at a time. And we had the whole first 12 issues where we see the origin of every other member of the team, yeah. including including Marina's through issues two through four. Yep. And the only one we haven't seen the origin for is Puck because, well, that would ruin the fun. Yeah. They could have sort of an origin, but it would be, you know, maybe just a little bit about how he joined Beta Flight. That might be the only thing they might have told. It's like a, a history what, from the past. That's all you'd want, yeah. Because, I mean, when he did get a backstory, when Bill Mantler wrote it in, um, mm-hmm. it, it, when I first read that, I was excited by how much imagination Mantler had brought to the character. But increasingly mm-hmm. over time, um, the more uncomfortable and the more disappointed I get. And I, I, still, mm-hmm. I still don't think we've talked on the podcast about his backstory. I'm not going to do it now. Because I like right, right. <laughs> I like having mm-hmm. Puck's backstory still be mysterious, at least in the mini reality of this podcast. But um, right, yeah, so. and I, I agree completely. I agree completely. I, I, if you need somebody to talk about talk about that issue with you, I would I would do it. But boy, I was not happy with how that came out, even at the beginning. Yeah. Um, I was probably I was probably a little older in terms of the collecting at the time. I was uh, when that issue came out. Um, but and it was very creative. I fully agree with that. But I did not like them turning, changing what we knew about Puck. It really turned everything we thought we knew about him on its ear, and I did not really like that one bit. Yeah. I, I wanted him to be. Uh, they, they took away some. Ev- 
things that I thought were vital to make him to the character and made made him interesting, made him fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, so yeah, Puck just rocked this issue, and I, as you said, he shines so he's shown so well. God, use my proper grammar today. Yeah. You're on a podcast, Tim. Come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he's shown so well because we get the counterpoint of what would have happened in issue two if Marina hadn't caught him off guard. Yeah. We could see the that though the fight would have the thing the situation would have gone very differently than just her outright almost eviscerating him, almost cutting him in half. Um, and so I, I thought this was a great way of of redeeming him and saying like no no see he's still he's a he is a tough guy yeah this is the only he, the only reason she she did that to him because was because he wasn't ready for it yeah that's right and aside from issue twelve and the ones after um you know I don't think there was really much appearances by Puck anyway. I mean, he, he had issue five as a solo yeah. issue. But I mean, part of that is but, down to the fact that John yeah. Byrne wasn't interested in them as a team and he just wanted to flesh them out yes. individually. So um, mm-hmm. until 12, they, they'd never really been in it as a team apart from the first issue. So, and that that's why. Right. Yeah. But it also meant that, that, that this was really our first chance for him to even show his chops at all. Yeah. That was the thing. He had, he had, issue one was just the fun, um, deliberately playing with the convention of of the origin of the team having one member show up too late for the fight That's he right, says yeah. i'm joining the i'm joining the the freaking team yeah. <laughs> so that that was just great to turn it on its ear like that um i keep saying turning on its ear that's not I, why am i saying that i don't understand it's a um, it's fine it's just it's a, it's a saying yeah. but then but now my now my brain is going like are you thinking about pucks uh, uh cauliflower ear which we see a lot like yeah. no stop it stop it stop looking at his ear <laughs> um, well john burr has drawn it so that we are always conscious of the ear uh, yes. and whatever the story is behind him getting that cauliflower ear um, his face is always turned so that that's mm-hmm. the ear that's on show. There's, I think there's one instance where his, he turns the other way, <laughs> but the rest of the time well, we're I'm, I'm actually way. I'm actually on that page. That's like page 13 yeah. in the in the beginning of the fight. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yes, it's and yeah that that his ear there is such a wonderful visual detail. That's a part of the story. I don't think they've ever really addressed. I'm I not almost, aware of it I'm having fe- been explained yet, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's good. Yeah, I almost fear of, of it turning into like Harrison Ford explaining why he has a scar on his chin. It's like I cut myself shaving. It's like, oh no, <laughs> come on! Yes. The, the possibilities are so good. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> huh. um, oh. And uh, oh yeah, sorry. One last thing on Puck uh, is mm. that uh, when I talked to. Uh, about issue five with Fraser, and I said that um, Puck also shares character DNA with Batman, in that he's Alpha Flight's Batman, because in the same way that uh-huh. Batman went away and learnt skills. So, for instance, he learned escapology from Harry Houdini, and then in this mm. instance, we find out that Puck learned bullfighting from Ernest Hemingway. It's that similar, it's that similar thing of giving the character real life counterpoints, and and sort of the mm-hmm. idea that they've traveled the world to become the person they are now. Oh yeah. That's, yeah. that's really good. That's all. That's an awesome detail to, for him. And I, I love that Batman parallel yeah. comes, comes, comes shining through really well right here. 
Uh, right. So on the other, so the other characters we got, we only barely see them. So Snowbird does her big reveal. Yes. Um, uh, mm-hmm. No pun intended, but she. So she. <laughs> she. Um, it's not. It's not as bad as some. It's not as bad as some reveals would be, but. You know. <laughs> um, but so, but that's really just leading into. Um, it's it, it's explaining away who this character is. We haven't. I don't think we've seen this character since issue six, the Snowblind one. Uh, right. Doug, if we have, mm-hmm. we haven't seen a lot of a lot of him. But um, so we get a chance to re-engage mm-hmm. with that relationship now that Snowbird's healed after her time in New York. But there's not right. a lot else to discuss there. I don't think. Not really. It's that it, it's. It's a very interesting decision why Byrne... Well, I mean, it's it's obviously he's just laying some yeah. groundwork for some other for more some more stories that are coming up. Um, it's also just uh, there. There's also lots of things here that you could almost see some stories coming from, which I don't think he ever really pans out. Like no, Bill why did these why did uh, later on? But yeah, he doesn't. Uh, no, John Byrne doesn't do a lot with this. No, it's like why? Why did Snowbird even need a secret identity? What, why did she care? <laughs> she, she's a goddess working for the government as Alpha Flight. Why did she need a secret identity to, during that time? Um, yeah. I, did, did the government have rules about payroll? I, I guess I don't. Maybe it's Canada. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, there's there's just hints here, and but I don't think that we get a I don't think we get a huge payoff for it. In the end, no. He shouts, "I love you," and she looks uh, shocked. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I suppose this is. Uh, the, I suppose Byrne saw the story arc of Snowbird being her learning to be human. I guess mm-hmm. that was where he was going to try and direct this, but I think he got. He, he didn't spend a lot of time in it that I remember in further issues. So, and that's fine because. Um, it's no secret that I think she's one of the most boring characters in Alpha Flight. <laughs> um, well, the only other thing it does it does it is perhaps he was just like wanting to do some things here to plug up some holes. Like yeah. you know, she did she did leave so abrupt. She did break out of prison yeah. back in issue six. I mean, it was prison. Oh yeah, and it is John Byrne. <laughs> like, so we if there's yeah. a plot hole, we've got to cement it closed. Exactly, and so and like yes, so so um. I've just, Doug has to be has to be in trouble for that. For he, yeah. whether even though he had, he, how could he possibly have anything to do with that? <laughs> uh, a gaping wall, a hole in a prison wall, and it's like, yeah, you must have something to do with it. That's what. Uh, <laughs> I've just I've skipped forward because I'm, I'm reading this in trade. Mm-hmm. So um, this plotline yes. is picked up again in issue 18, um, and they get two pages to mm. carry, carry on this storyline in issue 18. Um, so yeah, that's how important it's, it is. <laughs> right? Is that is that the spot where we where Snowbird also reveals her true self with like the uh, black face, uh, right, yeah. dark, so red eye look? That's right. So yeah. because she's becoming yeah. um, spoilers for whichever episode we cover this in, because she's become, she's falling in love uh, and <laughs> becoming a human. Her goddess side rebels and turns her bad. So um, yeah. right. Right. So, and what else? There's there's the one page to do with Aurora, and she's going to cut her hair, and that's mm-hmm. really all there is on that. 
Not yep, that's, that's all it's saying. Have to have a have to have a one page for cutting your hair. Yeah, but that's, <laughs> that's fine. I do like um, Burn because again, this there's some really it great instances in this issue of him having done some research and then making sure that, that mm-hmm. research doesn't go to waste. So one is that um, he puts in the panel she suff- she suffers from a dual personality what an uninformed layman might call schizophrenia. <laughs> so he's saying, look, uh-huh. I know the difference. Nobody else does, but I do, because I've looked it up. Uh, that's quite nice. Right. And then there's another, even more obvious, I have done some research. It's time for me to put it in. And that's when <laughs> that's when uh, Marina is swimming down. She just dived in to uh, mm-hmm. Lake Ontario. I think I know which one you're talking about. And then at the bottom, it's got... Statistical note. Connecticut, yes. Delaware, Hawaii, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New Jersey, Rhode Island, and Vermont are each less than one-fifth the surface area of Lake Ontario. I was like, thanks. That's really helped propel this plot forward. Exactly. That's hugely important to the story right here. And it's, it's yeah, it's all part of justifying the prose that he's scripted throughout this whole thing. He, you know, it's all there because... Just because he says the lake represents an area to be covered that is larger than far by far than many states, yeah. I guess that uh, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that's many states that qualifies. Yeah. Okay, yep, yeah, you've done your job. You, we do not need to send you the, the fanboys. Not need to send angry letters about <laughs> Burn not knowing how large Ont- Lake Ontario is. Okay, yeah. well done. And yes, this is, be- this is before Wikipedia, so you know, looking these things up were not as easy as they are today. I think so, he probably I, had an encyclopedia. I, I almost think he's justified. <laughs> yes, but I think he's almost justified <laughs> in saying, hey, look, I looked this stuff up. Yeah. It was hard. <laughs> Those books are heavy. So I don't. Ha- I didn't have the internet you whippersnappers have nowadays. Yeah. I had to so, copy this out yeah, by I hand. Love, yeah. I love that moment. I love that, that moment right there just because yeah. it is – yes, it is just a, I am so smart. Look how smart I am. I can write purdy and I can look stuff up. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Um, and then there's one other. There's one other. I've got to look. I'll look it up. You go ahead. But I'm going to, I'm going to say, look up on that page. There's also this really nice. Um, she's she's dived into the water. It's totally dark. So mm-hmm. she's using her other senses, and it sort of goes daredevil. And we see the ripples. Mm. Her her sonar is uh, her body gets silhouetted in white, and then we see mm-hmm. sonar ripples around, which is quite nice. It's it's, it's uh, a oh, nice right. looking op art little panel. Oh yeah, I did like that. Was always like I said that was that Dussel brings a lot of a lot of Aquaman, Super Friends imagery right there. But it, yeah, it's that's just that's just a yeah wonderful yeah. sort of image going on there. I love all the all the concentric circles going on there. I found the one I was thinking about yeah. um, on page fifteen. Oh, that's we right. Have, <laughs> I know what yes. you're going for. The strange mixing of genes has spawned within him the abilities and powers beyond those natural to either race, as typified by the small ankle wings that propel him to altitudes and velocities that continue to perplex even the most diligent teratologist. <laughs> Asterisk. The study of monsters, genetic flukes, and abnormalities. Denny. Yeah. Thank you, Denny O'Neill. Yeah, thanks <laughs> like, for that. Jeez. <laughs> it's like, yes, I, uh, you do, you do go. I do go back through these older issues and go, yeah, I would have had to. That would have been hard to look up back in the day. <laughs> so, but, but it's, it's like, also why do you, in the middle uh, of an action uh, sequence, 
in the middle of the action sequence, Namor's just like burst yes. out of the water. He's seen a fight. He's just about to go and attack it. And then John Byrne's gone, I don't know why he's got ankle wings. Let's describe right. them. <laughs> I, I must explain this to the readers. Yeah. It's like, why does Namor have ankle wings? Hey, why does... if And if Namor is a child of a of a homo mermanus and a human, neither of them have ankle wings. Why does he? Yeah. Oh, because... Uh, Yes, explain, explanations are very important to the action sequence. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> they make all fight scenes better. <laughs> um, oh. um, yeah. Um, but it also it also is a hint into the future of when name of uh, Burns Namor run. Um, so I, I it, it I can I can kind of have some just some flashbacks of the uh, and thoughts about how that how that turns out as well. Um, just how things evolve over time there. But it's like, nope, still got to get those explanations in. Yeah. Every issue. Yeah. It's, He's well, living and dying yeah. by the... Um, every issue is some reader's first issue. Yeah. That's right. So we've got which is, to Which know. is fine. Which yeah. is fine. But it's like, wow, that's a lot of words <laughs> that I don't care. It's, it's good, though. <laughs> but at the same time, though, because this is a moment in time when Namor is hanging in the air, about to plunge. And so... You could see mm-hmm. that extra information literally slowing you down and slowing time down in the comic. So it could mm-hmm. you could be uh, charitable and say it's that rather than just a desperate need to always be right. Well, that's true. I, I, I will grant that. Okay. But, uh, but although I, I guess it's also a byproduct of just changing styles in writing and, and in yeah. comics. Because nowadays, these sorts of uh, text boxes are much more focused on perhaps what the character themselves are thinking about. I mean, Namor's not yeah. thinking about this by himself. He doesn't, he knows who he is yeah. and he, and he is proud of it. <laughs> he, he doesn't, he doesn't even have to explain it to people who's so proud of it, but this is the omniscient narrator uh, storytelling. And that's what the omniscient narrative narrators did. Yeah. They explained everything. And what you get um, now, I mean, I'm not sure about now. Cause again, as I said, I'm not reading, very many modern comics, but in something like that Scott mm-hmm. Bobdell run that we covered before, you would have a character yes. look at Namor and say to another character, why has he got ankle wings? And they'd make a little joke about it, um, right. rather than explicitly mm-hmm. having a narrator set, like talk about them. Uh, and I prefer yes. having an omniscient narrator discussing mm-hmm. discussing his ankle wings, rather than making them into a joke. Right, right. Um, so always think about that moment in Age of Ultron where Hawkeye is like, uh, he's like, none of this makes sense. And it sort of takes you out mm-hmm. of the reality of the film a little bit because you're suddenly made aware of how ridiculous everything is. Even though, like, you know it's stupid, mm-hmm. but you don't need to be reminded. Uh, and little moments like that right. um, I find similar. So, yeah, it's... it's yeah. Anyway, so... Um, okay, I think we've just about covered this. We're coming up to mm-hmm. an hour. We haven't mentioned anything that we don't like about this. Is there anything that you're not keen on? Well, um, well, we've been making fun of the things that I wasn't as keen on already all along. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're just, you know, it's been they've been it's 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 things that are also just more through the you know the 
looking at into the past and looking at you can see the age of the comic. I mean, you know this is a comic from the eighties from how yeah. it reads. Yeah. So you know, but it's still it's still fun. You know, you still have in and, and, and taking those the even taking the shots at the things that are would be silly compared to today's tell storytelling. Um, it's just enjoyable back then because you accept it. Yeah. It's like you accept this. Like that's how these were told. Um, I w- uh, the you know the overarching thing about the whole storyline that is only is the only thing that kind of gets me is with the repeating. But I think that's almost intentional. I don't necessarily think it was. I don't. I, it could be lazy storytelling. It really could be. But I don't think so. I really think it was intentional for Marina to kind of have to revisit what happened to her back in the first storyline yeah, issues no, two through four. Yeah. Um, and but and but just taking you know this the the involvement of the master was like yes it was going to have to it was going to have to happen I mean it was just going to be part of the story. Um, but I th- you know this there's a there's a lot to like here. Um, just so uh, I do wonder about that last panel when they talk about how, it, I'm it was kind of confusing but I think it was just more about. Um, Burn just still uh, trying to make his his words uh, as purple prose as possible. Yeah. Hey, that that was alliteration. Um, <laughs> the rain seems somehow not to touch the reveal. Titan was that seems not to as opposed to isn't actually touching him. It's like with yeah. it's like for a second there like, is are they saying this is a hologram of him and he's not really that <laughs> no. Oh, no, that's not what they're saying. It's just that it's just just for dramatic effect. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Um. But yeah, and just setting up this. The, this, of course, is all set up for the next issue in a lot of ways. Yeah. There's, uh, there's a, that, that that final part. There's a lot of setup. Um, that, but yeah, no. There's a. This oh, is a. This it's, is it's a solid. Yeah, funny. I think it's, good. it's a really fun issue. Absolutely, it had a lot, lot to go there. We I learned a lot about Puck. Um, it, in they might have been they might have been a little jarring, but the subplots are just moving along. Got to keep yeah. those subplots moving. Yeah. That's that's the kind of story that he's telling here. Um, and you know we uh, we got a little bit more about Marina's powers, how she works. It's like and it's the only I, I liked it there, and the only regret I had is that we just didn't get to see that much of her in the near future. About and, and where we got to really exercise some of those things. Yeah, it just turns into like, yes, now she's in, now she's in hiding again. It's like, oh, <laughs> but thank goodness for the power packet two-parter. That was you know, okay. That, I, that really was a, a I'll light. Hunt it out eventually once I've actually read all the Alpha Flight comics I've got to get through. Um, okay. Okay, so I'm going to draw uh, an end, uh, close to proceedings now. Um, before we go, is there anything that you have to plug or suggest or recommend or anything? Certainly. Um, I will. I will right now. I think I will suggest people listen to a podcast event that has just been published on Halloween. It was a uh, four podcasting um, shows covered the various issues of the Mephisto versus miniseries. Um, and it, it was uh, the first, and there's a reason why I'm plugging it. It's not just because I'm a, I'm a crazy guy. Uh, I'm plugging it because um, 
I provided the voice for Mephisto oh, in the various. <laughs> oh, I, yes. This was a, as a, one of the guys described it, this was a Twitter game of chicken gone horribly, horribly wrong. Nobody blinked. And all of a sudden, yes, they're doing, this is going to be the podcast ep, uh, event that they're doing. Um, and, and somehow I found myself in the middle of the discussion. It was crazy. I don't really know how it happened, uh, but I got roped in, and all of a sudden I was like, well, I don't have a podcast, guys, um, but I'll do whatever, anything to help out. Yeah. And one of them suggested, hey, Tim, you want to do the voice of Mephisto? <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> so that's, I had way too much fun doing the voice of Mephisto. And remember, when you say Mephisto, you have to punch the fist in Mephisto. Wait, that doesn't sound right. Um, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that's a, but it's a, it, the, the shows are, do a great job going over those issues. The issues themselves, questionable, but the shows are a lot of fun to listen to. Um, they cover four podcasts. We have Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, The Secret Wars and Beyond podcast, uh, Resurrections, a Thanos a Warlock podcast, and the Married with Comics podcast all cover individual individual issues. So please give that a listen. All right. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I will. <laughs> okay. Um, hey, thanks. thank that's, you. That's, that was actually to the that was actually to the audience as well. You know, not just to you. Uh, no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think you're about half of my audience, but yeah, that's fine. Oh. <laughs> Whoever the other half. Whoever the other half is. Well, I'll call. I'll, yeah, I'll call the other one and make sure they're listening. So. <laughs> okay. Um, in terms of my plugs, um, I have been hard at work uh, while I've not been podcasting recently. Um, look out soon for um there's a project coming out from uh, mark chickenfish who is uh, an industrial noise he's just really good but he's putting together a project called noise in opposition which is an anti-fascist compilation of noise and industrial music and i have contributed mm. a haunted comic to it called too dry to haunt um so that'll be out soon also, on December the 9th, I will be at the Catford Comic and Zine Fair, where I will be releasing uh, the Intercoastal Extension, which is a ghost story and also uh, a drawing experiment on my part. Uh, that's 50, it's 50, it's 25 <coughs> double page spreads, um, which uh, at one point weren't going to deal with the Enfield Poltergeist, but now they do. So that's good. Um, awesome. And yeah, I think that's all I want to plug for the moment. Uh, oh, other than if you are listening to this and you haven't already, um, I was interviewed on Resonance FM last week and I talked about Alpha Flight and I talked about Alpha Flight Special 1987. Um, so if you're interested, you can go and listen to that. And yes, I think that nice. is, it's on Mixcloud. So go to Mixcloud and look for Resonance FM and The Artifacts. And I'm on there. I, I did. I did was thinking something else that I would like you to talk about more. I haven't gotten around to doing it yet. Yeah. Um, but you're offering a deal on PDFs That's of your right, comics yeah. right now, and I want and I I I need to get out there and and order some because I want to get a hold of some of your comics that way. That's it's, right. It, so it sounds like a great. It sounds like a great deal. It's um, all of the zines and comics I did up until and just after um, I released. 683. So it's got 683 is uh, mm -hmm. other than Fan Forest 4 is probably my 
my most realized projects but the pdf for that is in there you can buy that by itself for a pound or that and everything else up until then for two pounds fifty um so yeah um please do and um yeah i think i think that's it for the moment sorry i've been reminded to all right sorry martha wanted to remind me something what is it um, are you plugging dinner no okay Right, what was that? Oh, if people ordered comics from me, then I would put one of your books in there as well. Yes, and you will put them up. So what I'll do then, Martha, is that I will scan your books and I'll include them in the PDF pack. How about that? Yeah? Okay. (laughs) Oh, that's a a deal. Done and done. Um, Order his comics. Order his comics. Get his daughter's book. Um, and I also forgotten that also the first chapter of Petricor, which is my autobiographical comic, which is coming out next year. The first chapter, I'll, I'll, I'm lumping that in as well. So, yeah, it's quite, oh, wonderful. Yeah. So please go and get all that stuff. And um, yes, I'm going to go and cook dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what, are, what, are, what are we having? What are we um, having? We're having lamb jalfrezi. Oh man, I'll, I'll be right there. Hold on, don't start without me. It's all right. Let me just, let me just, let me just get my passport. I'll be right there. The time it takes me to cook dinner, you'll be here by the time it's ready anyway. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Well, thank you so much, Tim. I've really enjoyed having you on, and I hope everyone will come back the next time I get round to recording. Uh, episode of Alpha Pod Flight. Thank you and goodbye. And I don't know if you heard that, but that's my burglar alarm just gone into fault mode again, so I've got to go and that. Uh, oh, yes. Perfect timing. All right, thank you very much and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.